1: Well, good morning, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us at this hour at 11 o'clock Central Africa time. As usual, it is African Dialogue. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, where you get your African perspective. Remember, now we have changed frequencies and our frequency is different now. We're on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. Let me make sure that you hear that frequency. Maybe you can inform the people around you around those frequency changes. We're on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. But we still remain on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And you can also stream must live on our website www.channelafrica.co.za Well today we're going to be going to the Gambia Last year the Gambian government announced that it will set up a truth and reconciliation commission to investigate abuses committed during ex-president Yaya Jame's rule Recent reports from the country revealed that 11 commissioners were appointed this year to preside over this commission Now it is said that this includes the designated chairperson Mr. Lamine C and the Deputy Chairperson Ms Adelaide Sorse. Making the announcement of this TRC last year in the Gambia, the Justice Minister Abubakar uh, Tambadou said that the fi- uh, th- that the finances of Jamais would be investigated. The Minister also encouraged witnesses to come forward and reiterated that victims who may have suffered from Jamais regime would be compensated. Uh, the former regime was accused of widespread torture and in forced disappearances during its 22-year rule. Well, to help us uh, on this particular topic, we're joined by Jurgen Gray Johnson, who is a communications and advocacy officer uh, joining us uh, online. Thank you, Jurgen, uh, for giving us your time. Uh, Jurgen Gray is joining us uh, from uh, the organization, uh, the Open Society Initiative for Southern Africa, which uh, is actually a, an organization that looks at democracy that promote human rights and looks at good governance and rule of law on the African continent. We're also joined by Professor Leon Vessels, who is a former Human Rights Commissioner on the line. Uh, we jo- he's joining us because we're going to look at the fact that South Africa's TRC has been used as a template by many African countries when they try to deal with truth and reconciliation matters. And in our studio, we've got Chalu Kumalo, who is an executive producer right here at Channel Africa. But let me start with you, Professor Vessels. Thank you for giving us your time. In terms of South Africa's TRC process, it has been kind of lauded and everyone has actually celebrated that particular process. There has been those who've criticized it, obviously, but it has been overall a process that has cemented the transitional process of South Africa's democracy. How important was that process for South Africa, especially looking at the context that now it has become a framework in which uh, TRCs and other African countries operate within?
4: Uh, thank you so much, Benjamin. I think it's very important because one a, a nation must know its history. And uh, the fact that uh, it got off to an organized start uh, is a good thing. In other words, uh, a time limit was set, a, a frame of reference was set. But the one thing one must forget uh, must not forget, and that is that there, there is no finish line to these matters. Mm. Uh, so the fact that you've launched a TRC, that you've opened it up, uh, that ordinary citizens can come and testify, they can point fingers uh, one way or the other, uh, people can come and plead for amnesty or whatever the rules may be, is very important but i think the one lesson we've learned from south africa's history is there is no finish line mm. you can't you can't uh, complete a mammoth task such as this one within one two or three years it it has to be ongoing and the spirit of reconciliation cannot be couched in legal terms, uh, terms in, in 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 a legal commission therefore i would say the shortfall is that we thought that once the the trc had handed over the report this was now the end of it in fact it was only the end mm. of a chapter
1: mm. Well, let's bring in Jurgen Gray-Johnson joining us on the line. Jurgen, thank you for giving us your time as well. Now, in the context of the Gambia, we know that there is a long history that the country is embarking upon. I mean, 22 years rule of one man, uh, that's a long time, and it must be complex in terms of how you're going to get witnesses on that particular platform. But before we look at the process itself, um. Do we know the real intentions from the current government's uh, mandate in terms of why it's bringing this commission forward? Well, I
0: think uh, the, 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 intentions, the intentions of the Biden administration um, from the onset, I think, has differed now um, to the realities on the ground. Um, I think that has to be said. Um, I think from the onset, at the beginning, when there were coalitions um, in waiting, There was definitely the zeal and also um, the will um, to seek justice um, through a process that is systematic, um, that is guided by uh, principles of law, um, that is open to everybody, uh, that is transparent, and also you know with with the issue of um, ensuring that um, impunity is halted in the process. Um, So I think uh, that was. The aspiration certainly um, in, at, at the very beginning um, between uh, uh, the December the 2nd, 2016, all the way up until the possibility of uh, uh, February the 19th, 2017, when Baro was sworn in. Mm. But I think as time has gone by, the evidence has actually shown that the political will has dwindled. Um, the TRRC, uh, the concept of a TRRC truth and reconciliation. Um, has not um, really captured the imagination of the populace um, as it had at the very beginning of Yama's uh, administration, largely because um, the fact is that uh, the, the, the way they went about it, um, it wasn't probably the smartest way in going about it. Secondly, there has been a lot of self um wounds and home goals that the administration has uh, basically um, um, bought upon itself. So the challenge is mounting. Uh, To a point where many people are actually questioning, one, a viability of a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, Mm -hmm. and secondly, the applicability um, of, uh, you know, the laws that they put in place, and then also the process itself. Will it take off? Um, How will it be Mm resourced? And uh, will actually people come forward to actually tell their stories?
1: Well, as you can hear there, uh, Charlie, that uh, uh, Juergen speaking about the challenges that are now posed with this uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission, because it is a big um, mountain to actually climb looking at the historical events of uh, the Gambia and the atrocities that we've seen under uh, Jameer's rule. How complicated is this process, especially for a country with the history such as the Gambia?
5: Uh, My point of view is that uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission differs from one country to the other. If I have to give you an example on the South African side, there's a South African. Here, one nation was torn into two nations, the black and white. So reconciliation was imperative. We had to reconcile as fellow South Africans and form one united nation. And then we go to Rwanda, which was also torn apart by genocide. Here it was ethnic cleansing, the Hutu people against the Tutsi people, or the Tutsi against the Hutu. Reconciliation was also imperative in this country because two sections of the population had to reconcile with each other and form one united nation, Rwanda, which is what we see today. We also had a similar thing in Sierra Leone, which was also torn apart by civil war. Two Truth and Reconciliation Commission was also imperative here to reconcile because the nation was actually torn apart and nobody would ever want to see the nation going back to that situation again. Never again. People were war-weary, devastated, and all that. But in a situation of the Gambia, I think uh, I would not actually buy the issue of truth and reconciliation in the Gambia. To me, who reconciled with whom? It's like you say... The rapist must reconcile with the raped. You know, a human being is not a machinery that you can program to suit the situation. It's not easy to tell somebody to reconcile with somebody who victimized you. It's just not going to work. You know, under Yaya Jame, in the 22-year rule of Yaya Jame, the state machinery, his brutal and careless, uh, what you call, uh, security apparatus, were doing that with complete impunity. Now, when you look at this... Uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission that has been set up in Rwanda. To me, it's like you're extending that impunity now. You know, I believe that uh, the people of the Gambia deserve justice, not Truth and Reconciliation Commission. The people themselves can reconcile Maybe on their religious grounds or ethnic grounds, and say, Look, I've forgiven those who humiliated me, who killed my loved one. But the uh, people cannot be told to reconcile because it's a small fraction of the mm, society mm, mm. that carried out all these atrocities. It's not that the nation of the Gambia was torn apart mm. into two, definitely not. They were there to keep one despot in power Mm. and everybody knows them in the Gambia they can be tracked down all over West Africa Mm. if the government is serious about justice for the victims justice for the families Mm -hmm. of the victims Mm -hmm. this is how I can put it
1: well very interesting uh, views coming from our various uh, guests uh, looking at the establishment of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission we know also uh, they've spoken about uh, the idea that it's not just a reconciliation Commission, but also uh, they've included the term reparations within uh, the uh, terms and conditions of the establishment of this uh, uh, commission. Very interesting viewpoints coming from our three panellists. I'm going to try to consolidate some of them and try to look at some of uh, the uh, pitfalls and critical viewpoints that have been brought through our guests after this break. It's 20 minutes past 11 Central African time. Let's take a quick break. You are on African Dialogue.
2: Great news for music fans media africa studios is hosting the ghana music awards on the 3rd of november 500 guests across south africa nigeria zimbabwe and ghana are expected this event aims to bring map nationals under one umbrella to network and create business opportunities through music and art Some of the artists that will be performing are Babes Wadumo, Tamara Day, Aku Messi, Choir Master, Kota Budusuku, Article One, and many more. If you cannot make it to the Iboni launch in Pretoria, South Africa, don't despair. Join Channel Africa from 18 hours to 20 hours Central African time on the 3rd of November for the best music in Africa. Channel Africa bringing you the African perspective.
1: It seems like it's going to be a party on Saturday. So do uh, check out that live uh, broadcast uh, as you heard uh, from that promo. Well, right now you are listening to African Dialogue. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama. We're looking at this process of the truth and reconciliation and uh, also they're including this idea of reparations uh, commission. And uh, we are discussing this particular issue with great uh, panelists on our uh, show today. We've got Jürgen Gray-Johnson who's joining us. from the Society Initiative for Southern Africa and Professor Leon Vessels is joining us as a former Human Rights Commissioner uh, in this particular discussion and I have Charlie Kumalo who is an executive producer right here at Channel Africa. Let me start this uh, part of the conversation with you Jurgen because very interesting viewpoints that were highlighted by uh, Charlie Kumalo there especially zooming into the Gambian process because he's actually making two distinctions in terms terms of the intentions behind this particular process whether why would you want a trc uh, process when uh, certainly this is an issue that has to do with a justice and legal process and not necessarily a reconciliatory um, kind of agenda jogan are you there
0: Yes, I'm
1: here. Fantastic, um, I can and, hear you now.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, so, so, so what's your question exactly? Um, what, what were you asking?
1: I'm asking you the question in terms of those contradictions. If you having a process in terms of what uh, Charlie Kumalu was highlighting that actually is supposed to be a, a truth and reconciliation process, but when you see the cases on the ground, they're more on legal grounds and have to do more with making sure that justice is served.
0: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with Charlie's point. Um, Look, um, I'm I'm in 100% agreement with him. Uh, This is really about justice um, for the victims. I think uh, the TRRC, um, the way it's been, one, um, configured legally, and also um, the way that they basically um, put this contraption together, I think it's quite heavily loaded. As I said initially, it was overly ambitious. Um, the two the, 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 the reconciliation aspect of it is alone challenging, and then they put in a reparation. So as a result, you see that first of all, the way, I mean the amount of money they're going to need to resource this is quite colossal in the sense that they've actually taken the figure at 50 million US. dollars. This is for a country with a per capita income of under 450 dollars um, um, you know per, per, per capita, the GDP. Um, and so that's a, that's a huge amount of money for a poor country, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think they're going to they're they're meet that target. That's the first thing. Secondly, it's unclear to me um, as to, you know, the method to this madness. Why do I say this? I say two things. One is the, 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 the issues around the TRRC um, have to be affected um, based on some preconditions and actions that should have been taken before the GRRC actually was put together, which is the fact that um, the Barrow administration should have, from the onset, gone into the security sector itself and even certain areas of the civil service to basically root out the perpetrators um, that um, perpetuated um, the, the, the rule of tyranny on the JAMI for those 23 years. Mm. So the point I'm making is that the majority of the perpetrators, the people that were engaged in the torturing, the people that were complicit in the disappearance um, of victims, the people that were complicit in the arrests and all the other heinous crimes that were committed over this two decades and two years um, since JAMI was in power from 1994, um, are still in the system. So as a result, I, I wonder as to how effective a Truth and Reconciliation um, Commission can be um, if the people that are supposed to be doing the preliminary investigations look at the veracity of these cases are, the, are the, uh, the ones that perpetuated the crimes in the first place. They're definitely not going to be in a position to investigate themselves or investigate their power. Mm-hmm. So as a result you start to look at the issues of the credibility of some of these cases that they're going to bring forward. And then the last point I wanted to make was, even for the investigations, that their life has been made so much more difficult by the prevailing situation now that no one has been weeded out um, that that, that have been in the security sector. Mm -hmm. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, as a result, what you're going to have is the TRC is a voluntary mechanism. No one is compelled to Mm -hmm. go and actually testify. So I think it's going to be skewed, whereby you have the victims, coming forward to say, this is what happened to me or happened to my loved ones. And the perpetrators themselves would actually not feel compelled or have any compunction whatsoever to basically face the TRRC. Hmm. Um, Because the fear has now faded. Um, The the, the perpetrators are comfortable within um, the confines of a new battle administration. Nothing has changed. So as a result, they don't feel compelled or pressured in any way to actually um, 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 recant Mm, mm. and also show some kind of remorse Mm. um, for the crimes that they were
1: involved in. Sure. Let me come to you, Professor Vessels, because... Even post-South Africa's TRC process, there have been questions around some of these issues that were also applied before um, South Africa's TRC because it was emphasized during that particular process that it wasn't a judicial process in itself. It was more of um, a symbolic um, um, institution when it was established Your thoughts on that, because you did intro this particular uh, conversation by saying that it's not a finished process when you do uh, this particular um, uh, project.
4: Let me just make two comments uh, right at the outset. First of all, uh, you must remember that victims never forget and perpetrators try to forget. So if you don't deal with this harshly and you don't get to the root of everything. Uh, It will fester on and on for years and years and years and years because the victims will not forget. And then you have a larger problem than you have now. Therefore, the terms of reference of the TRC must be pretty tight. And I don't quite agree with the argument that South Africa was merely a symbolic gesture because you had to apply, you had to appear and that was a humiliation in itself. It was a it was in the court of public opinion that you had to acknowledge your misdeeds. And if you did not comply there was a duty to prosecute, to seek justice. And therefore they are <coughs> they were shortfalls one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But right at the heart of it uh, you must bring the perpetrators to book. They must stand in front of a TRC. They must acknowledge what it was they did. And if they do not comply with the rules that you framed at the beginning of the process, they must fear the sanction of the courts. That is it. If you don't do that, you must remember the victims will not forget.
1: Mm. Uh, Charlie, what are your thoughts there? Because I think it is a parallel reality for um, perpetrators and for victims here. As was highlighted by Jurgen, it is kind of very contradictory where you're actually not seeing a cleanup within uh, the system within the Gambia. And then you come to South Africa where we saw this almost having a, a, a semi-legalistic uh, nature to it. But post this particular TRC, there's still questions around uh, issues of reparations, issues around were, was justice actually met. So TRC processes can be complex in their manifestations. And as you highlighted, very different in various
5: countries. Yeah, they one would not expect them to be flawless, you know. There will be, of course, some loopholes there and there, you know. But now, in the case of the Gambia, definitely, as Jugen has pointed out, that uh, quite a number of those who served under the security apparatus of uh, Iyaya Jame are still in the system. Uh, definitely, those people would never, ever want to come forward and incriminate themselves. They would never do so. Even if some can come willingly or with no alternative... But to come, they'll definitely come up with, you know, half-baked information. What does it mean now to the victims or the families of the victims? It will be like you are toying around with people's feelings, emotions. You get a point. And I wonder if the Gambia has also prepared the health sector of the victims and their families. For in case in South Africa, people underwent uh, psychological treatment, people were cancelled. I wonder if it's going to be the same situation in the Gambia. You saw how people cried here in South Africa. You saw how people fainted here in South Africa. What will happen if this same situation prevails during the meetings in the Gambia, you know? And uh, one other important factor is who are the members of the panel? It's a panel of 11 members. Who are those people? Are they well-equipped? Are they well-trained? Have they been prepared? Are they going to be impartial? It's something that we still ask ourselves, you know. I remember Liberia also tried it after the Civil War. This is a TRC issue, but they could not go any far because they realized it was a very complex exercise that was beyond their reach and beyond their control.
1: Well, very interesting viewpoints there. I'm going to take another break and then when we come back, as we conclude this discussion, we're going to look at that question that uh, Charlie Kumalo asked there in terms of the composition of uh, the uh, commissioners within this uh, Truth and Reconciliation and Reparations Commission of the Gambia. What are your insights? Give us your thoughts. Interact with us on our social media. Remember, we've got a Facebook page titled uh, Channel Africa and also we are on uh, Twitter at channel Africa one is the numeric one at the end at channel Africa one or you can join us on the African Dialogue Twitter handle at African Dialogue.
3: Are you looking for opportunities to network with Africa's business leaders? Do you want to engage with movers and shakers and participate in master classes presented by industry experts? Then, here's your personal invitation to attend the 4th Annual Africa Woman Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum, and exhibition taking place on the 8th and 9th of November in Cape Town, South Africa. If you want to register, then visit www.awiefor.com. Um, um, Again, www.awieforum.org. If you cannot make the event, then don't worry. You can follow it through live broadcasts on Channel Africa. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.
1: Twenty-seven minutes before midday. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. And it's 11.34 Central African time, that is. Thank you for being part of the Channel Africa family. Remember, we still want you to continue being part of the family. Find our Twitter handle at Channel Africa one Join us on our Facebook page. It's simply titled Channel Africa. If you're just joining us now, I have Jurgen Gray Johnson joining us from the Open Society. Initiative for Southern Africa. I also have Charlie Kumalo in my studio and uh, that is an uh, executive producer right here at Channel Africa for the Portuguese service and also we've got Professor Leon Vessels who is a former Human Rights Commissioner. Oh, very, very complex area that we're in right now, Jurgen, in terms of this particular process. I know that when we look at the... Um, the commissioners that have been identified here we have seen dr lamin j cisse who has been now uh, said that he will be the uh, the, the commissioner the chairperson and uh, he has been described as the right person due to his experience within the united states being there for 30 years uh, we know that he served under uh, the Secretary-General Kofi Annan for a long time during that particular uh, time. Uh, But a good question that was asked there uh, by uh, Charlie, uh, questioning who are these people in the panel and do they have the right impartiality to deal with these big issues in the Gambia?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's a fair question. Um, I think, again, I mean, we need to be honest and uh, basically put this into context um those of you that have been following um, the, the, the political developments in, in the Gambia especially would know that uh, the trRC was uh, filled with a lot of false stuff um mm. and then also uh, especially even with the of p-
1: appointment of the chairperson itself it was very very um uh, complicated in terms of the uh, the appointment of the chairperson I know even deciding on who will be the chairperson there are complications around that Jürgen.
0: Well, not only that, but, I mean, the original um, person that was identified as the chairperson um, was, uh, I mean, Mr. Abdelaijane, who was uh, the executive director of the Economic Commission for Africa, United yeah, Nations exactly. Economic Commission for Africa, hmm. and he didn't take up that appointment. So, clearly, um, you know, the optics here matter. I think, secondly, the most important thing is, yes, the, the, the composition of the commission, the, the, the 11 members, is important because, because uh, they're the face of the commission. They're the ones, I mean, it has to inspire confidence um, and respect and dignity um, and there have to be a certain caliber of people that actually infuse all these qualities um, into um, this very delicate um, exercise. But I think the most important of all is the heart, piece, um, the, the, the machinery, the engine um, of this particular contraption, which is the, the technical aspects of it, the secretariat. Do we have a good enough investigative units, um, research units, um, advocacy units, to be able to basically get this very complicated um, exercise off the ground. And I'm not so sure. So you can have all the best commissioners in the world. If you don't have your technical support staff, the secretariat, the investigations, etc., that are actually the, the engine of this whole thing, to actually make it functional and so that it functions in an effective, efficient manner, um, so the victims, um, the hearings go on unhindered. Um, they're able to convince some of these perpetrators to come forward um, to actually, you know, tell their side of the story, um, etc. Uh, we, we're not going to have anything. I mean, nothing of value um, could be actually added um, to, the, to the 11 members. Um, so I worry about that technical composition. not the commissioners. The commissioners, that's neither here nor there. It's important, yes, but it's not the most important element of it. Then the other aspect, I think, um, around this whole idea of the composition is the fact that, as I said before, and we mm. can never shy away from this, if we don't have that, uh, the fundamental reform, especially within the security sector, um, it's going to be, I, I, I'm going to find it very hard as to how we'll be able to really pull this off. Mm. If the perpetrators are still in the system, and these are the ones that um, the Commission will rely on, Um, to not only voluntarily come forward, but more importantly to dig up the evidence Mm. and Mm. the information, linking them to some of these heinous crimes, it's going to be very hard to see how the TRRC will be functioning.
1: Well, Professor Vessels, let me bring it to you. It seems very complicated currently right now when we're looking at the the Gambian context. What are your thoughts from uh, some of uh, the viewpoints that come from both of our other panellists?
4: Well... So there's only one word, and that is integrity. If the commissioners don't have integrity, this thing will be a whitewash. Commissioners with integrity will demand proper research, support staff, proper uh, uh, investigative staff, will uh, will not buckle under pressure, will speak truth to power. It It boils down to one word, integrity. If the commissioners don't have integrity they may just as well close it now.
1: Charlie, is the president of the Gambia now not trying to chew a bit too much? I see a man trying to chew an entire
5: elephant in one go. Uh, I don't think uh, the president uh, was well advised on this issue. He could have taken his time. You know, if you talk about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and reparation, as they call it, well, it's a good uh, thing, of course, in a nation uh, that saw a lot of atrocities being committed, you know, to entrench a despot. But unfortunately, it was rushed. For an example, one other important thing I want to know is that were the victims and the families of the victims prepared, you know, so that if they come forward to come and hear all those atrocities, will they be able to take it? Will they be able to enjoy what their loved ones went through, you know? Were they cancelled, you know? Will they get the proper medical attention after that, you know? Because, you know, it's not like uh, you'll be listening or hearing, you know, an exciting story when you're sitting there, listening how your loved one was brutalized, you know. For a mother to hear how her son was mutilated, tortured, how her husband was killed or set alight or just disappeared from the face of the earth, definitely that's not good news. What happens if she breaks down? What happens if she collapses, faints because of what she's hearing? Were those people prepared, you know? This thing actually needed a very good and sound foundation so that even those who want to hear how they lost their loved one would come voluntarily and say, I want to see the man who killed my son. I want to hear how my son died, you know? But unfortunately, in the Gambia, it's not the same situation. Let me wrap it up with you, Jurgen,
1: in terms of your final sentiments, especially with uh, uh, President Adama Barrow's um, intent with this particular uh, TRRC process. Uh, do you think that he was chewing a bit too much in this regard, um, I mean, he's young. Uh, I'm, I'm sure this is a very big task before him, especially being young and being, uh, being able to carry that weight of a transitional process of a country. It's no easy feat, indeed.
0: No, absolutely not easy at all. Uh, and I don't think anyone is saying um, Noah has an easy task ahead of him. But he has not made things easier for himself because he's been in power now for almost two years. Um, certainly um, a good chunk into 18 months and nothing of significance um, that is fundamental to anything else that he does has happened so the reforms haven't happened the security sector reforms haven't happened we have not done any reforms around the laws and things like that so as a result this is going to have a direct impact on the the, the applicability and the effectiveness um, of the TRRC that's the first thing the second issue um, is the fact that um, as we sit now, um, we're looking at uh, the TRRC that was launched um, several weeks ago, all bells and whistles, um, but very short in substance. Um, we have not been able to put our finger around what the systematic uh, you know, um, MO is around uh, some of these investigations. Uh, we're not sure who's in court. Uh, And so there's a lot of ifs and uh, question marks around that. But to make matters worse is the fact that uh, a month ago uh, the Minister of Justice came out in the open and made a very disturbing pronouncement in which he said that the NIA-9, and these were the National Intelligence Agency that were mainly the perpetrators of most of these um, human rights abuses in the country under Janice 22-year-old rule, um, that were rounded up many, many months ago and have been incarcerated, uh, have been charged. But again, building the evidence has been difficult. So the minister came up and said, well, we don't have the capacity to carry on with this particular case. That's nine people. Nine people. Now, you talk about a truth and reconciliation spanning well into 22 years, certainly two decades of abuse. And from, the, from what we know is the evidence shows that there are at least 1,300 victims that have registered yeah. mm-hmm. with the victim center. Now, if you can't, if you don't have the capacity to look into the cases of nine perpetrators, what are you going to do with the cases of victims wow. of 1,300? Wow, wow. So I think that's very, very telling for mm-hmm. me. Um, but as I said, um, let's see what happens. But I think this is extremely ambitious. Uh, people's expectations have been raised again. Mm. I think the chances are that they'll only be dashed. And then finally, the, 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 the magic number of $50 million US dollars that they're saying mm. is going to take to basically inject into the CRR space, They're nowhere near close to actually achieving, mm. um, um that amount of money or, 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 or receiving that amount of mm. money. I think at this point in time, the UNDP has given about $3 million dollars. Um, I think one of the um, Gulf states has given another $3 million US million, uh, and maybe the Gambia government, I think, was $189,000. Mm. So we're nowhere close to the target mm. that they're looking at. Uh, we don't have anything that's systematic, from uh, secretariat that has the capacity and the ability to be able to do the investigation. Um, and, again, you know, we've got a commission, um, mm. but... There's
1: no work for them. To do. Well, that's Jergen Gray Johnson, leaving us with more questions there. Uh, he's joining us from the Open Society Initiative for Southern Africa. Thank you as well to Professor Leon Vessels, former Human Rights Commissioner, joining us there on the line. And also thank you to Chalu Kumalo in our studio, executive producer in Channel Africa for our Portuguese service. Thank you all for giving us your time. We really appreciate it.
5: Thank you, Benji. Thank you.